0: Hey everybody, welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of the Annie Nation Podcast. I am your host, the top 1% Shep. That's right, I'm doing things a little bit differently. I'm sick and tired of looking at my bank statement and seeing $15. $15 for SoundCloud. And we're not recording anything. And it's no one's fault, it really isn't. We're both extremely busy people, and I just so happen to have a lot of free time at this moment as I'm recording. So let's hop straight into news, as your singular host takes over at least for a week. So our first news story, which is really good because I actually just got done watching My Hero Academia's 38th episode, or the finale of the second season... And My Hero Academia has a Season 3 planned. Currently, uh, actually this was just released, next week's issue 44 of Shonen Jump confirms that production has been greenlit. So it's straight from Shonen Jump. It is confirmed Season 3 is in production. And I'm glad that they're not hopping right into a new one and that it's only in production because this probably means that they're going to take a little bit of time. To actually sit down and do the series the way that the series has been done the last two seasons. Which is why the series as a whole is great. But I will get more on that later in the anime discussion. Our second piece of news is that Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun's staff is reuniting for an original TV anime. So the animation studio... Doga Kobo and director Mitsue Yamazaki and they're combining forces again to produce an original TV anime t- entitled Tadakun Will Not Fall in Love that is set to broadcast in 2018. And from the news article that I see on Crunchyroll there hasn't been too many details that have been released. But, there is a lot of very talented people on this roster. I'm seeing a lot from, obviously, Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. I'm seeing a few from New Game, Mr. Otsumatsu, Plastic Memories. Overall, this could turn out to be an okay series, but I'm going to get more on that, too. Because, I think that's actually got something to do with the main topic of the episode this week. But... But we'll get we'll get to that part later. So one of the bigger announcements that I am kind of iffy about is that Drifters, which is actually one of the few uh, series that I have a 10 out of 10 for, I honestly enjoyed this series far beyond what I think I should have. I'm not entirely sure, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was perfect. I gave it a 10. And the second season was something that they teased, but it was never formally announced up until an interview that was published in November's issue of <laughs> Shonen Gahosha's Young King R's magazine on Saturday, where the director of the series, Kenichi Suzuki, said that a sequel for the anime series will start with the release of episodes 13 and 14 on DVD and Blu-ray discs. And he even teased a little bit about what episode 13 will be about, and it's going to feature a dispute between Saint Jeremy and Nobunaga. He says that the package release also contains revised versions of episodes 10 through 12, with several additional cuts as a bonus. Suzuki said that the schedule was intense for this anime second half and there are um, parts that the staff couldn't correct before the episode's aired. So actually, after reading this again, I'm actually not too worried about this. Cuz I thought that final part was talking about the second half as in the sequel was intense, which I which would translate to me rushed. But it turns out that the second half of the original anime was rushed. And that's why they're adding all of this additional stuff. So the December issue of the magazine, I'm not going to try to read through all that again, says it will reveal more information when it ships on October 30th. So Drifters is getting a second anime, and the first two episodes are going to be on Blu-ray and DVD, which kind of sucks because that means that Crunchyroll Funimation will not be streaming it. Because I'm pretty sure that if it's going straight to Blu-ray and DVD, it is not going to be licensed by an online streaming site. Now, episodes 15 to whatever they decide to end the series on might actually be streamed, which I will look forward to. I really do love this series, and I'm glad that it's getting a second season. And for our last bit of news, not all of it can be good, I'll tell you that but the live-action Sword Art Online series adds production and writing staff with Patrick Massett and John Zinman. So Skydance Television, which apparently is the studio or company in charge of creating the live-action Sword Art Online series, has announced that it's signing a multi-year agreement with Patrick and John who were executive producers on Friday Night Lights and Laura Croft Tomb Raider writers to serve as executive producers on the television project. So first of all, the fact that there's a Sword Art Online live action adaptation being made is surprising enough to me. I honestly did not think that Sword Art Online was a great series to try to adapt via a live action you're going to have to rely on a lot of crappy looking CGI to create a lot of to create a lot of the monsters and combat in the series. Plus, I'm sorry, but there's just a lot of cultural things that I don't think is going to fly in a Western live action. Sure, you might be able to get through Einkrad relatively unscathed. I mean, what are you going to say when Kirito and Asuna, who are 16 years old, are going to have sex? I'm not entirely sure if you're allowed to show that on television, but they're going to have to allude to it somehow. What's going to happen when you get to the second half of the series, when you get to the Alfhelm arc? There are so many things with Alfhelm that not only people don't like, but also culturally are so taboo that you're either going to have to completely rewrite that arc so that you don't have the slimy tentacle monster molesting Asuna so you don't have incest with Suguha so you I guess you could keep the furries I don't I don't care that might actually help you but overall the second half of the series is just not something that I think they can adapt via live action. Now, I don't know if they're going to go with a different direction and do their own original content, but that doesn't seem to be working for a lot of live action adaptations so far. So I'm not exactly sure why you would continue to try. But, hey, you know what? They're giving it a shot. When it comes out, we'll give it a chance. It is unfair to judge something before you actually see the content. Once we see the content, once we know what it's like, then we can make our judgments. I hope that you all enjoyed the first solo session of news and transitioning into what would be the anime discussion, which me and Jake have discussed it from now on. We're thinking about changing the format. And if I continue to do the podcast with Jake, we're going to announce what kind of new format we're going to be rolling with for the fall season. But if it's just me... I'm just going to do a week in review kind of scenario tell you what series were good, what series were bad, basically give you a, a stock alert. Which anime stock are up, which series are up and which series are falling or which series are staying the same. But since this is the end of summer 2017 and the summer season has pretty much officially come to an end, I can't seem to recall any major series that I'm watching that are still going on and mind you i am not watching kakegure fate apocrypha of A- maiden abyss love and lies because those are either carried by netflix which doesn't simulcast their series and i refuse to pirate or they're picked up by anime strike which i re- i refuse to pay an additional seven dollars to watch their anime selection plus the interface is just god-awful It really is just a cash grab because they don't give you anything appealing to use. But that is a topic for another day and another segment. We are going to be discussing all of the series that I have watched and have remembered watching throughout the entire summer 2017 season. If there's anything that I've missed that was on Crunchyroll or Funimation, I either dropped the series... Or I just flat out forgot about it. In which case, I probably wouldn't want to recommend it. So the first series that we're going to be talking about is Suré Dure Children. And I think that this was just a really fun short that really did condense the rom-com genre into its purest essence. And made that essence be the entire premise of the various short stories that the anime consists of it doesn't have a big overarching plot it doesn't have this big deep story it's just a bunch of short love stories that carry on week to week sometimes they're interconnected but a lot of the times it's just a fun little interaction with the couples i think it was a fun series overall i think it had a lot of great moments and i got to give them a golf clap for the fact that their final episode was called Summer Begins. And it was the ending of the summer season. So I give them props for that. 8 out of 10. My First Girlfriend is a Gal. Was something that I thought was objectively bad. But it was fun to watch. It was your very typical fanservicey, y ecchi harem. But it didn't have very unique characters. It didn't have very interesting characters. And the relationships and the characters themselves weren't developed enough or were developed poorly. And like I said, it was fun. You will have moments where you genuinely enjoy what's going on the screen. But I think there are also plenty of moments where you just say, WTF, what happened there? Why is this going on? Why is this character acting like this? Why do they have Minoru, who's a freaking pedophile, on the cast? Why do they have a literal lollycon running around, taking up screen time, when he isn't contributing anything? It makes me wonder what the priorities were in some cases. But at the end of the day, despite its poor quality... I have to give it an average rating just because it did have fun, funny moments. Now moving on to gamers, which there's people who love gamers and there's people who hate gamers. Because this anime literally had nothing to do with games. It had everything to do with a rom-com that built its premise around misunderstandings. And don't get me wrong. It had plenty of laughs. And despite all of the misunderstandings, there were enough curveballs thrown in so that it wasn't stale. By the time it started to get stale, they threw a curveball in. And now it was interesting again. But my biggest problem with this series is that the characters that they make us focus on, the main cast of five, don't have proportional inputs to outputs. They put very little effort into Tendo but they expect us to believe that Tendo is best girl they don't give Tendo any opportunities to solidify herself as best girl to me Aguri was best girl of the series she was the most well-developed she had the most screen time and overall she was just one of the more enjoyable characters to watch and listen to then i would say if you're going to split it up between the love triangle that is amano chiaki and Tendo, that chiaki is better for amano than tendo and that's because chiaki once again had more screen time they put in the input to chiaki they put in the input for augury and it showed those characters were likable those characters were interesting. Those characters were well-developed and should have been in the series. To me, Tendo had so little inputs but was expected to produce so much output that her character seemed meaningless, really, and actually, it was kind of annoying to see her be the best girl of this series when she had very little screen time. That and its Ova-like ending... Which did not feel like a finale. This is the same issue I had with Eromanga Sensei. Where Eromanga Sensei had a great second to last episode that felt like a finale. Wrapped everything up nicely. And then they had a fun episode that was like an ova. And gamers did the exact same thing. They had a fun ending, but it was like an ova. Not a finale. Episode 11 was better for the finale. But the series gets an 8 out of 10. It was extremely funny. Despite all of its flaws, it was funny enough to me to make me want to give it an eight. Restaurant to Another World. If you're watching this series to expect Shokugeki no Soma, Food Wars, level type intensity in terms of its characters, action, or cooking, you are going to be gravely disappointed. This is slice of life personified in a cooking anime. It relies solely on the characters and their lives and their experiences and their preferences, and it allows those characters to carry the series. It's a very relaxing, very fun show to watch. 7 out of 10. Aho Girl. Absolutely hilarious short that makes its living off of slapstick humor. Literally. Most of the dialogue is just Yoshiko Yoshiko screaming. The actors are having a fun time with the series. You can tell it's funny because they're having a good time with it. But literally, I think that the girl who voices the main heroine is just screaming into a microphone and it's funny. And there's a lot of panty jokes, there's a lot of banana jokes, there's a lot of idiot jokes, there's a lot of slapstick violence, but it works. It's funny, it does what it does, and it does it well. So if you don't like slapstick humor, it's not for you, but I say give the Sears a chance. 8 out of 10. Next up on our list is Classroom of the Elite. Now Classroom of the Elite is slow at times... And in my honest opinion, I think that they needed to develop their characters a little bit faster. But Ayana Koji is one of the best protagonists we have seen in a while. He's he's pretty good. And in fact, the big reveal that they made at the very end made me like him so much more. But I wish they would have gotten to that reveal a little bit sooner. I think that they needed to develop the females around him a little bit sooner. I think that Sakura needed more screen time. I think Kushida needed more time to show us her real self. And I think that uh, Horikita just needed to develop overall. I really didn't like her as a character, but that's my own personal preference. But despite its slow execution at times, this was one of the best series that this season had to offer. 8 out of 10. New game with two exclamation points so it's the second season and new game was just a fun series it was laid back it had everything that you loved about season one but with some more character development because now that they had time to lay out all the foundations of all the characters they were able to flesh a few out more and it was just a great time it was new game but more of it and i think that's just fine there's a lot of fun moments there's a lot of emotional moments eight out of ten. Angels three-piece now this one is one of the more controversial series that I watch because basically it's lollies with guitars However throughout the entire series. It has a lot of lolly bait Where they put the lollies in compromising positions When it sticks to the lollies with guitars It's a pretty average to above-average anime. It's fun to watch but when they throw in the lolly bait, you gotta knock some points off because that's just not cool. 5 out of 10, it's average. Despite the lolly bait, I still somewhat enjoyed the other aspects of the series. In Another World with my smartphone. Now this show is just cringy and it's bad, bad, bad bad. Don't get me wrong there are going to be moments where you laugh. There are going to be moments where you might actually care about what's happening on the screen but those moments are rare and they do not happen nearly enough for you to actually care about anything. The main protagonist is so overpowered but doesn't do anything impressive. The harem is uninteresting and boring. It is painful To watch in another world with my smartphone. The smartphone hardly ever gets proper. Hardly ever gets utilized. I cannot believe that I was excited for this series when it first started. Bad, bad, bad. 4 out of 10. Knights and Magic. Our next series, Knights and Magic. And don't get me wrong. This series had a good premise. How many other In Another World shows do you know that use magic, but not just magic, but uses mechs with that magic? Who's done that? I can't name one off the top of my head. I really can't. Most other mechs are like science fiction. This one was literally a fantasy world with mechs. It had a lot to work with. But overall... It just poorly executed that interesting premise. There was too much narration. The studio treated us like a bunch of idiots who don't understand how to process a story, to to link events, to know cause and effect. And if they needed that much narration, that just goes to show you how poorly they told this story. Because you should be able to do things in a series with minimal narration people should know people should find out through your storytelling not through you explicitly telling them and as if the excessive narration wasn't enough they also decided to interu- interrupt every single action scene with a close-up of somebody's face while they go spout off some stupid line of dialogue i don't care What this person is saying, if I'm in the middle of a battle between two giant robots, I want to see two giant robots fight. I don't want one guy going, oh, I'm going to beat you Ah!" and have a close up of their face as they're screaming. I want to see the mechs fight. Like I said, the series had a good premise to work with, but it executed it poorly. It used too much narration, which shows that it has a bad storytelling technique. It interrupted its action sequences far too much. And sometimes the action sequences were just boring. Six out of 10, slightly above average, just because of its premise. And we're moving into the final two series. The final two series, which I honestly think were the best. The best that this season had to offer. One is going to be more universal. One is going to be more niche. I'm going to start with the one that's more niche. Soccer Quest. Honestly, I wanted to give this series a 10 out of 10. I wanted to so bad. PA Works did an amazing job. They are an amazing studio. They do good work. And this original series... Was no exception. The ending was just so emotional. Because they spend 20 plus episodes building up these characters and this town. And then when the series ends, you don't want to leave. You want to continue watching the adventures of Yoshino, of Chiori, of Ririko, of Sinai, of Maki... You want to continue watching their story. And it's sad when you can't. But they wrapped up the series very nicely. They developed everything very well. It was a great series to watch. But it's very Slice of Life. So if you don't like Slice of Life, you are not going to like this series To me, it is a near perfect example of what a slice of life should be. But since that is a very niche genre, despite the fact that it is growing in popularity, I would not recommend it if you do not like the slice of life genre. And to me, the king of summer 2017, my hero academia, once again, I wanted, I wanted to give My Hero Academia Season 2 a 10 out of 10. It does everything that the first season does, but applies it across the broader spectrum of characters. We get more information about Ararika. We get more information about Todoroki. We get more information about Ida. We get to see them go through character arcs. We get to see more of uh, some of the other clashes. Class B, we get to see them of their heroes, we get to see more of the professional heroes. We get amazing action sequences in one of the best tournament arcs ever done in anime. We get one of the best fights with the healer, hero, hero killer, Stain. We get to see some of the best final exam arcs you will ever see in a shonen anime. But overall, I'm being objective here. My Hero Academia does so many things right that it is a master of its craft. It is a master of how to do a shonen anime right. And I love the way that they're releasing it because there's hardly any filler because they're just able to go with the source material and they are able to do the things that the author wanted to convey with the series. Everything that the author wanted to convey with his manga, the studio is conveying through its anime. But ultimately, it doesn't do anything new. So for that reason, it's a 9 out of 10. Maybe season 3 will knock my socks off. And I will give it a 10 out of 10. But until then, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. So just to give a quick recap... Sure Dure Children, 8 out of 10. My First Girlfriend is a Gal, 5 out of 10. Gamers, 8 out of 10. Restaurant to Another World, 7 out of 10. Aho Girl, 8 out of 10. Classroom of the Elite, 8 out of 10. New Game, 8 out of 10. Angels Three Piece, 5 out of 10. In Another World with My Smartphone, 4 out of 10. Knights in Magic, 6 out of 10. Soccer Request, 9 out of 10. My Hero Academia Season 2, 9 out of 10. So, overall, this summer season was extremely strong, and there were a few disappointments. In fact, I even dropped a couple of series. I dropped Katsugeki Token Rambu. Despite the fact that I'm hearing that it's pretty popular in Japan, it was not interesting to me. I dropped it. And there are a few other series that I dropped that I do not care to talk about. I did not find them interesting. I did not find them fun. Heck, I found them less interesting than Lollies with Guitars and one of the worst series that I've watched in a while in another way with my smartphone. Oh, actually, there is one more series that I want to talk about. One more series that I want to talk about before I transition into the main topic because I'm going to be skipping my random show and I'm going to be skipping... The Annie Nation Rewind. I feel like those are segments that I need to do with Jake. We will come back to these if, for whatever reason, I'm going to continue this alone. But for the most part, I'm going to keep those segments for when me and Jake do the show together. A Centaur's Life. Almost completely forgettable. Really, it is. It's not great. In fact, it's probably not even good for 75% of the anime. Episodes 1 through 8 are painful to watch. In fact, I think that it was worse than In Another World with My Smartphone. The last 25%, the last 4 episodes, 9 through 12, were actually pretty tolerable. They were actually somewhat fun to watch. And I wish that that was what the series was from start to finish. I'm not going to look up the rating that I gave for it because, like I said, I forgot about it. I would not recommend it. But that is something that I wanted to say. The last four episodes of A Centaur's Life were actually tolerable. And if the series was like that from start to finish, I probably would have enjoyed it much more. So now that we're skipping the two segments that I'm going to be doing with Jake, we are going to be moving into the topic of the show, which I referenced earlier. And it involves original anime And why they struggle. So we all know, just like how the studio that made Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun is making their own original anime, as soon as those series are announced, we know that it's going to be a struggle. I'm going to admit, we get gems. I didn't even know Cowboy Bebop was an original. I didn't know that Grenlagen was an original. I didn't know Sakura Quest was an original for the longest time because they are just so good. You find those gems every once in a while of a studio that just strikes gold. They make a good series completely by themselves. But for all of those gems we get, we get a lot more. Comet Lucifers, Magical Chans, and Qualidia Code. And some of these aren't the worst series that I've ever watched. But they all end up being disappointing, especially in the case of Qualidia Code. Comet Lucifer and Magic Samarasan were just terrible, god awful. So the question is why do these original series struggle? And I think that there's really two main points to be made here. And the first one is the difference between adapting a series. And creating one. So the great thing about adapting material from novels and manga. Is that the main grunt work. Is pretty much out of the way. The author has already created a world that's filled with characters, history, conflicts, and has developed that story in their source material. Your job as an anime studio, once you pick up that license, is to convey the world that the author has created. This can be extremely difficult. I am not underselling directors and script writers and screenplays and people who do storyboards. I am not underselling it. That is hard work because you have to take what is on a piece of paper And you have to project it onto a screen. You have to make it come alive. And that is difficult. But having the source material readily available has to make that work easier. I cannot imagine that it is more difficult to create and bring something to life Rather than just bringing something that's already been created to life. You're cutting off half of the half of the grunt work. You're doing another half of grunt work. But half of it's already done. So that's where creating an original anime starts to become tricky. Because now you have to create it. You need to write the story. You have to create the world. You need to do the pe- premise. You need to pitch it to the higher ups. And then once you go through all of that, you have to then bring your own content to life. You need to take what you put onto paper and you need to make it a reality. And to me, the more steps, the more work, the more chances of things going wrong, and the more likelihood that you're going to come out with a bad product. Especially if you start with a weak product to begin with, But because you have deadlines and this has already been approved and this is already being made, it's decided you're going to have a weak final product in the end. It's not like any amount of magical direction is going to make a bad series better. I think that you could have put the best set of directors on the staff of the Emoji Movie... But they couldn't make the Emoji Movie any better. Same thing with Qualidia Code. They had a ton of talent on that staff. And they weren't able to make a good series. Adapting a series means that you have something that already has a following. And has solid ground to stand on. All you have to do is build from there. And the second thing that i think you need to under that we need to consider is mo money mo problems manga artists are very passionate people and some of them can make good money that's not the case for all of them i took this off of a crunchyroll news article you can look it up you can look up gintama author speaks and you'll find a crunchyroll news article that has this question that gintama's author answered during an interview the question was a while ago my mother heard that gintama animation film was a big hit and commented that Hideaki surachi the author must be living at the luxury high rise of roppongi hills because it's so popular is that true and Hideaki Sorachi's answer was, to tell the naked truth, regardless of how many people watch the film or how much the gross earnings are, not a single yen goes to the author. We are only paid an upfront license fee. The amount we're paid is peanuts in comparison to the overall box office gross. The majority of the profits go to filthy, unscrupulous companies. And he names a couple, but I don't want to start a fight, so I'm not going to say anything. And releasing individual manga volumes is w- way more, way more profitable. But the reason why I slog to f- fulfill these film adaptations, to the extent that I'm peeing blood, is because there is a place in this world that is more wonderful than a mansion at Rapungi Hills. And that place, ma'am, is in your heart. If Gintama can reach the heart of the masses, I wouldn't mind living in a hill made of cardboard. The authors are the only ones who harbor such honest intentions with their creations. And he makes up a very good point there. For manga artists, it's about creating a piece of art. It's about conveying something. It's about taking your feelings and putting them into a story. And conveying those feelings to an audience. My Hero Academia... Is doing the exact same thing with its manga. It's conveying feelings. It's conveying emotions. From what I heard, the author of My Hero Academia... Had two of his series cut and My Hero Academia was the last one he had. And he put so much emotions... And lessons and ideas into that series. And because Studio Bones is able to adapt it so well, it is a great anime as a result. But anime studios want to make money. It's not a passion project. They have to make something that is going to sell. And that means that they're going to try to use things that work in the industry. However, sometimes the things that, quote, work, aren't what make a series appealing. For example, My Hero Academia really is nothing more than a really well done string of shonen tropes. But it's the feelings, it's the emotions, it's the lessons that are conveyed through those tropes, through those characters through that imagery, that make that series great. It's the emotions and the feelings and the hard work and the sweat, blood, and tears of the author that make those series great. Even if they use tropes. However, in Anime Studio, this is not a passion project. So they're going to use things that traditionally make a lot of money and that can make a huge difference. Like I said, Sakura Quest has a bunch of emotion and it's a great original anime as a result. Meanwhile, Colidia Code, one of the other series that I mentioned, is literally nothing but a bunch of tropes thrown together in the hopes that something sticks, that something is interesting enough for people to go out and watch and buy your merchandise. That's all it really is. So what do you think? makes original anime so tough to pull off. You already know the two big reasons that I think original anime struggle, but let me know what you think by tweeting at us, at Real Nation on Twitter, by commenting on SoundCloud, or leaving a review with a question on iTunes. I don't check iTunes as often, but leave a comment on SoundCloud Annie Nation Podcast and post a question or post a comment. Or you can email us at Annie Nation Podcast at gmail.com. I will answer any question. I will respond to any responses that are sent to me. This is my very first time doing the Annie Nation podcast by myself. I hope you enjoy. I hope you all have a good night, and I will see y'all next time.